Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of An Unexpected Podcast. And today I'm joined with me with my co-hosts, Matt Iverson and Evan Iverson. So uh, we actually uh, are going to be going over some ideas about either tweaking scenarios or restructuring how you select scenarios in a tournament. Just some ideas kind of spitballing that. Uh, This is mostly after the Vanquishers of the Necromancer Legion just came out. So kind of thinking of different ways to, to curb the actual effectiveness of certain armies that are tiered too far in one direction. And uh, But before we get into that, we're going to be doing our list review. So uh, as always, everybody who wants, you can submit a list to us. We will review it uh, here on the podcast, and uh, we just try to get to one per episode. So Evan, what list do we actually have today? All right. So we've got uh, a yellow alliance here um, between what looks like four factions, uh, Mordor, Isengard, Serpent Horde, and Corsairs of Umbar. So, uh, Warband one. Oh, oh all right. So that didn't left. work. Hang on, I'll <laughs> well, get it, it back. Worked, it worked very briefly. There you go. Oh, so there for go. those seeing this on YouTube, obviously we're going to put it up on the screen here. But if you're listening, we're going to go ahead and break it down for you. Mm-hmm. So uh, we lost the uh, list for a second. Yeah. yeah. So all we've right. got we've got King um, with three thirteen two. It says Witch King of Angmar, right? Yeah. For our listeners who can't Witch see. King? Which king? <laughs> that king. Um, yeah, so, I'll be here all night, folks. Uh, it says he's got horse and Morgul blade. Um, I can't exactly do the math in my head. I hope they have him as uh, having the Morgul crown, um, but it doesn't say on the actual profile. So if, I think if not, there's low hanging fruit for us to fix. Yeah, I think it's safe to say that if he doesn't have the Morgul crown give him the Morgul crown, but they probably just forgot to write Morgul crown in the profile because it's such an auto-include. Um, and in his warband, he's got uh, eight Moranin orcs with shields and axes. Um, axes aren't any additional points. He's just specifying that he wants axes on them. Uh, warband two is Lurts with 10 Urukai with pikes. Uh, fairly simple there. Warband three is Suladan on horse. <laughs> With six Haradrim with bows and spears, six serpent guards, four watchers of Karna, and then in warband number four is Dalamir, fleet master of Umbar, with six black Numenorians. So I think sort of starting off uh, with the small changes that I think definitely should be made to the list, as we mentioned beforehand, uh, if the Witch King doesn't have the crown, give him the crown. Also... I noticed that you have zero um, warriors that move more than six inches. There's no cavalry models. There's no Krabane, um, nothing like that. And sure, Suladan and the Witch King are on horse, but you don't want them to necessarily go out objective grabbing because they're generally very effective um, within the lines. Um, so now moving more, just sort of the idea of the alliance here. Um, I think you may have actually gone a little bit heavy on how many alliances you've got here. It somewhat feels like, at least with the Corsairs of Umbar contingent, it's just thrown in there because, hey, let's get another alliance in there. Because, um, for example... In the Corsairs of Umbar uh, Legion, you're just getting 
the Black Numenorians. You're not getting any Corsairs or anything like that. You can easily get Black Numenorians in Mordor, which means... I don't think he's taking... bringing it for them, though. It looks like he's... Sorry yeah, to interrupt, he's... but I think he's bringing them for Dalimer specifically. Yeah, my, my concern is just that I'm not entirely sure about Dalimir. Um, I think something like a Shagrat with the ability to knock stuff over with the shield would be a stronger choice. Shagrat costs um, more, though. That is true, but not a significant amount. Um, also, they have a problem in this list with all of the warbands being tailored to be intermixed with each other. So this this army is entirely reliant on everything sort of intermingling with each other. Um, you want the Urukai behind the Moran and Orcs for the fight for. Uh, you want some spearmen behind the Black Numenorians, uh, often the Corsairs of Umbar list. Um, you want something behind the Watchers of Karna. So I think it might be challenging in some situations uh, just not having that whole uh, homogeneity, I guess is the word, where sort of each contingent has all of its own things and meant to work together and when either you're in an objective scenario where you have to split up or you're in a maelstrom mission now Lurt's kind of um kind of helps with that because he can pick uh where he's coming on in the maelstrom missions but still i think it may be a problem um i'm also not a huge fan of the just six black Numenorians. Uh, I feel like black Numenorians are most effective uh, on mass. And when you're not taking them on mass, you can sort of just ignore their terror and charge the other things. Um, so you've got some, yeah, I, honestly, I think that's all I have to say about the list. Uh, definitely take some cavalry and then maybe try and reconfigure your war bands. So it's, uh, equal uh, shields and spears so it's not entirely reliant uh, on the entire army sticking together um, and also maybe take more black Numenorians over Moran and Orcs because uh, you don't have Fury or anything to support them so I may not be as pessimistic about the list as you are uh, just, just a clarification i don't think the list is bad i just think in some specific situations it may suffer um due to uh a bunch of different allocations of warriors being in different uh pieces of the army and it sort of looks seems to be more segmented than uh cohesive so what i'm seeing here I'm just looking at this and I, and okay, I'll acknowledge definitely you don't think the list is bad. Just make it a little bit tweaked. So I'm not going to go from the argument that the list is bad or anything. I'm trying to understand what he's doing behind this. A lot of the list does have to be kept together. I don't immediately see that as a bad thing, except in maelstrom missions, except Lurt sort of mitigates that a little bit. You really actually only have three war bands since Lurt's, uh, it, it, does he automatically roll a six or does he just yeah. get to show up? He just shows up wherever he wants to. So he can okay. he can put that warband behind, you know, he can wait for the Witch King to show up and put that warband behind it, or he can wait for the uh, Corsairs to show up and put that warband behind it if he wants to. So realistically, these extra warbands are really more of a hard, hard to 
problem for um, uh, recon, honestly. But that's one mission versus three, which have maelstrom battle. But even beyond that, as far as deploying together, a lot of armies at 800 points are only going to have three warbands, and a lot of them are deploying together, maybe with one warband being a smaller cavalry contingent that's a little bit more mobile. I'm seeing Dolomer as that kind of, obviously not mobile, clearly, but it's not a, a, a drop that shows where you're going. It, the exception is uh, Maelstrom. I didn't say he's the leader, but in every other mission, he kind of is kind of mobile enough i think he has and i may be wrong on this but i'm pretty sure he's got rules that allow him to move through terrain or at least up and down terrain and stuff a little bit easier the I black i don't think he does but <laughs> nothing I mean, like has, that he has the elven cloak so you know he can stand i think all the hosh and not be seen okay so we'll, you keep talking i'll look it up the black numenorians i see more as a personal bodyguard to dolomer otherwise he probably just would have filled other people's ranks and left dolomer by himself I think he's actually bringing them in strictly because they're a defense six uh, wall of terror that if Dalimer gets out of position or they can shore up maybe one side or something like that, um, that's why I'm seeing the Black Nooners. I don't think he wanted actually a force of them. And I think he actually would have done away with them entirely, um, you know, the, assuming he didn't have Dalimer potentially going somewhere else in, in a Maelstrom battle mission. So... I'm looking By the at way, this. He gets no terrain bonus. I just looked. No at terrain it. bonus. So he has put him prior natural ability agility, so he can't get trapped. But that's all it does. Okay, so realistically, then the Black Numenorians, I guess, are also potentially for um, contents of champions to allow Dalimer to escape. Um, if he would like to do that, Dalimer's a capable fighter, especially with the Witch King backing him up. Um, I'm honestly going to say that I, I'm, I'm kind of like doing the math here and you've got three heroes at a hundred points uh, each minimum and the witch king is going to be more than that and i'm looking at the ranks you got 44 models i don't think he has the crown <laughs> so um no. someone can do that quick points math but that is now kind of my serious issue with the list um yeah the I, mean, other I, thing I think we have to assume since he he wrote morgul blade that he does not have the crown i think yeah. we can we can all agree that he should figure yeah. out so, how to so get first thing <laughs> drop drop two models drop the blade take the crown um immediately if you don't have it um and then uh probably he wants some sort of cavalry contingent it might even be like two cavalry models and that's perfectly fine but something that yeah. can move fast i think would be very beneficial to this type of list probably dropping maybe and my, my initial thought is two Watchers of Karner, maybe two Black Numenorians to fill out two cavalry models. And then, or actually, okay, so actually here's eight points that he may have access to, the axes. Um, are we sure Moranans have axes by default? Um, I'm... I think they have clubs and swords. I will check, um, I will check yeah. that too. But I think I, they have... I might be wrong. I think axes. I might be thinking of normal orcs, um, in which case I'd say take the axes off the Moranans and put them on the Watchers of Karna because Watchers will probably make much more use of the axes than the Moranans will. But I feel like yeah, they sword, do. Sword, mace, or axe. Yeah, okay, okay. they do. So he just specified then. So realistically, yeah, the, the cavalry option, definitely. I mean, as far as getting this Morgul crown, what, the suggestion you made, Morgul blade, that's 10 points, then plus get a couple warriors gone. Um, I'm voting for hesitantly a black new minorian or two what are they 10 points a piece i think nine 
so points. so he's got to get like two points somewhere well, else. Well, let, let me make a suggestion. Um, sure. So there's some things we can do here in the short, you know, there's small changes we can make to drop a couple figures. There may be a large, larger change we want to make. So let's discuss what Dalamir is adding here, right? Um, so Dalamir as the leader is a leader that has the equivalent of an Elven cloak. So he's a leader that can go run and hide. Mm. Uh, he's not a leader who's going to add anything in contest of champions. Um, although he, you know, he, he can kill ordinary troops. He re-rolls to wound against ordinary troops at 5-5. Yeah, he does. Um, so he can kill ordinary troops. He's decent at that. But he, he's not somebody who you're going to want to kind of keep in the center of the board where the other side's heavy hitter can go after him. He's probably going to run and hide until he has the opportunity to come out and grab stuff. But he can also you – know, he, he's cheap, and he doesn't really bring that much to the fight. So if you're playing to the death and you just want to deny the guy – leader points, you can just take him and hide him somewhere and forget about him. Uh, that's one advantage that Dalamir brings to the table. The other advantage is his smoke bombs. His smoke bombs work well in combination with the Witch King of Angmar, because the Witch King of Angmar can throw a couple spells to drain somebody's will away, and then Dalamir can get into a position to throw a smoke bomb at him and automatically channel transfix him. And, that, and that, you know that's a nice synergy with the Witch King. With all that said, I wonder if I'm on team Evan here that there's one too many allies in here, and I wonder if Dalamir is the extra ally. Um, you can, I think, drop Dalamir, take the six black Numenorians that are in his warband, put them in the Witch King of Agmar's warband, then take... 90 more points to do other stuff with. And there are plenty of extra slots here. Even if the Black Luminorians go in the Witch King of Angmar's warband, he's still got another slot there he could fill. Lurtz has five more slots you could fill. Suladan has uh, Suladan has, I think, two more slots you could fill. And you could, you could slot in there. You'd have the points, I think, at that point. Even if you filled out all of those warbands to full strength, you'd have the points to put in a couple of uh, uh, serpent riders to get some mobility, a few more pikes to stand behind the Moranans and uh, the Black Numenorians. I still think six Black Numenorians is useful as long as they're in one place and they're near the Witch King. Because you still have your six wide uh, wall of terror, which is a significant problem to, to get around. And then you That's can space half an inch apart. Like, yeah. And, and then you can, and if you put a half an inch apart, you can stuff a bunch of pikes behind them to get extra, uh, to get extra um, dice in the combats. And the, I mean, Lurtz is, I think, a great add to this because of his ability to come in wherever you want and the fact that he brings heroic march with him. So you can figure, I mean, so if you look at Suladan's warband, Suladan's warband is set up so that it can fight on its own. It's got guys that are going to fight in front and it's got plenty of spears. It's actually got, I mean, you could probably strip a couple spears off of the Haradrim bow guys there uh, because you've got 12 guys with spears and two guys, or four guys without spears. So if you needed some extra points, you could do that. 
But get, dropping Dalamere from this list, I think, gives you enough points to solve all of the problems we've identified. It gives you enough points to change the Morgul Blade into the Morgul Crown. It gives you enough points to, you know, kind of bulk out the warbands, and it gives you enough points to add some mounted stuff. And I'm not sure at the end of the day what Dalamere brings to this list is more important than solving all of those other problems. I don't know what people think about that, but that's, I, I understand what, I, I understand Dalamere brings some stuff to this, but I think his 90 points might be better spent someplace else in this list. Curious. What Mine, I'll, I'll give a tiny defense to this because <clears throat> I think what he's trying to do, he's, it seems like he's picked the most cost-effective evil heroes that hit the hardest at their points level, the exception of the Witch King without the crown, um, which we all agree he should fix. But he's trying to, with 44 models, average defense five, and I'm just going to say that because it seems like half his models are, not half, like a third or defense six, a third or defense five, and then the rest are defense four. So eh, somewhere on average low of five. Um, you know, I think he's trying to overwhelm with four heroes because at this points range, generally you get three solid heroes and maybe one of them is like a wizard. But here in this case, he has four heroes that all hit hard. Yes, even his leader. And his leader does have three points of fate and is quite capable in combat enough to at least avoid getting killed off to the point where he, if, if the Witch King had a Morgul crown, I think he's got a lot of solid hitters that are kind of overwhelming you in a sense. Like he's got enough models to weather the storm while these heroes do their work. And even if he drops two models somehow to get that Morgul crown, I still think 42 at 800 points is it's not terrible. I mean, I would like more at this defense value, but that's what I'm seeing him doing. It's, it seems like he's bringing in cost effective. And even if you got to bring this Witch King down to maybe 10 will with the yeah. Morgul crown, with the Morgul crown, I think you're actually for now you got to be good at spellcasting. All right. Now, and, and, and there's an argument to be made here. He really shouldn't spend much of his energy spellcasting at all, especially if an enemy wizard is in play um, or Wraith. But I've seen people play, like Mick is commonly doing this, is the Witch King at 10 will with a Morgul crown. I mean, you effectively have more like 15 will if played properly. <clears throat> it's just, we don't know his ability to play properly. I'm trying to analyze the list as if it didn't have any al allies. I'm just looking at him like, what if this all came from Mortal? I'm seeing what he's trying to do here is not like Alliance craze. It seems like what he's trying to do here is to hit you with as many solid hitting heroes while keeping his numbers as high as possible. And then his ranks bolstered by what they bring to the table, which is magic and a six inch banner. Not to mention shutdown capabilities from two different heroes, the smoke bombs and the the transfixes. So I'm not against what he's doing here in the context of it all coming from a single list because he's not a red alliance. So he just simply loses a bonus. It, a bonus is fairly irrelevant in all cases here. Um, so I'm really not against it. I'll be honest. I, what he seems to be trying to do here, I, I think, uh, I mean, him keeping the list together is not that hard with one ignoring males from a back battle practically. Uh, all of them having a healthy supply of might. He has 11 might and at 800 points. That's that's a solid amount. I think he's going to overwhelm with these this group of like not tiny heroes, but he's basically overwhelming with mid-range heroes. That's what I'm seeing here. 
And I think if you fix those problems that we have mentioned, I think you can make this work. But otherwise, if you're a newer player, and I'll leave it off with this just for time's sake, but if you're a newer player, then you're probably going to do better to follow Matt Nevin's advice. Because if you screw this list up, like if you have one hero go down, you're going to wish you had 12 more models plus cavalry plus all the other stuff that they mentioned. In fact, I would think if you're not an expert player, Evan and Matt's list, I think is going to do more in more scenarios. But I think if you, in the hands of a player who knows what they're doing with it, you can really hit hard with this and overwhelm fast. That's just my initial thoughts of this. So, yeah, I, I, could I mean, be he's, <laughs> he's clear. I mean, that's clearly his intent. His intent was clearly to take kind of all the most cost efficient killers on the evil side, put them in one army list, fill out with cost efficient troops, and go forward. Yeah. I just, and, and maybe it is a, a player's skill level. I think I would rather have, instead of having Dalamir as the fourth hero and try and overwhelm with him, I would rather have 50 plus models and some cavalry. So I've got three good, and, and maybe a couple, and, and then, you know, the, the Marvel crown and maybe a, an extra will point or two on the Witch King of Angmar, and then just overwhelm with my three good heroes and my 50 plus models. Uh, which at 800 points is, you know, pretty good numbers. And that would be my preference. I mean, I've played with Dalamir a bunch. Uh, he is useful in certain situations. If you can get him in a situation where you've canceled out the other guy's heroes, he can kind of run amok amongst, amongst the warriors. But if you get him in the, if you get him in the wrong place, he can he, he loses one fight he goes down very quickly because he's now, who, he's only got the two might he can call heroic defense but he's only got the two might and he just he doesn't have the wounds to um you know basically take more than one punch well before if, he goes down. if dalamir gets charged by a hero on horse um with higher fight value he's usually toast is what right. i've found yeah especially because he only has two might so he spends one to strike. Um, he botches the. Well, he, he doesn't spend. A, he doesn't spend the strike. He he spends it to defend and hopes for the best. Yeah. Um, the problem is that, he's uh, inconsistent with that, especially with only two wounds. Yeah, he's got two wounds. He does have a bunch of fame. Um, so he can usually, if he calls the heroic defense, he can usually take one punch. But then the next round, he's toast because he's probably out of might at that point. And uh, and somebody else is going to call a heroic move, move into him, and then he'll he'll die horribly. But uh, yeah, that said, also, if you can also, neutralize what's, all what's the his courage heroes, out of interest? Uh, his is it four? Courage is four. Then after the first turn of breaking, where he auto passes because of legend, he's very likely to run because I'm fairly sure he's only got two will. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and courage four, probably down to three if there's a ring wraith or something uh, on the other side. Um, so I don't think. So I think it, him running is definitely a possibility. I mean, if you're playing with him as the leader, he's probably not a fighting leader. He's like the Denethor type leader, where I'm going to run and I'm going to hide in this house until most of the rest of the 
big heroes are dead, then I'll come out and slaughter some warriors. That's the yeah. way he gets played. But, yeah, I feel like just my personal preference, if I were to take a list like this, what I would do is I'd decrease the numbers a bit because I'm, I'm usually fine with like 40, 38 models. I'd take Shagrat instead of him, make the Witch King the leader, play the Witch King somewhat similarly as more of a support model that maybe charges into combat sometimes into basic troops and then spends the rest of his time casting spells. And I've got a much more reliable hero um, that can do more damage, uh, that can take more hits in Shagrat. Um, and I feel more confident uh, with that sort of thing. Um, but right. that doesn't discount Dalamir as a viable leader, but just All right, an so alternative. We, we, we've, got, we've got three varying points of advice here. You get three different well, directions right. you could go in. You can, you can take Devin's advice and pretty much keep it the way it is and just add in the Morgul crown. You can take my advice of dropping one of your heroes and upping your model count. You can take Evan's advice, which is convert Dalamir into a more powerful hero and decrease your model count. You can go in any one of these three different directions and and have an equal chance of failing. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. <clears throat> so there you go. So I guess uh, going into the main topic, I suppose. Uh, Go ahead and take the list down. <clears throat> All right. So I guess to give some context to this, there's actually been, uh, as mentioned in the beginning of the video, a lot of um, wondering if the vanquishers of the necromancer are too powerful. And to be honest, I don't think they are. And I don't, you know, maybe we can talk about whether or not they are or not. But, it, it, but this is actually a common theme that happens in a lot of new armies that where if they're swung too far in one direction, if Ranger of Athelion being another great example and all that, they excel at certain scenarios, they fail at certain scenarios. And what this does is it creates a negative play experience if you happen to match in them in that scenario with the wrong army to deal with them. So it seems, though, that the answer here happens to be not necessarily the, 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 the armies themselves, but just simply and maybe either how we select scenarios or possibly could we make suggestions on tweaking these scenarios to um, mitigate these problems. So I wanted to throw out some ideas and I know you guys had a couple other ideas and we're just spitballing here for anyone listening to this one. I mean, I don't, I don't think these were well play tested or thought out in some sort of tournament thing. Maybe we'll throw a tournament and play test it out. Uh, uh, before Matt, before we do that, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. And I want to put a pin in what you just said about the vanquishers of the necromancer. And sure. I want to circle back to that after we talk through, um, you know, kind of what we would do with scenarios. So, oh, about the, no, about the no, reference no, them being broken. Yeah, yeah and and oh. whether or not this is a solution to that, I, I am not convinced that the problem we are addressing here is a vanquishers the necromancer problem. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe when we we'll talk, no, no, this, we'll I don't think out. it we'll, is. I, I don't think it. So throw some more context, actually. I went to Articon two years, however many years ago. I forgot when this pandemic was not a thing. And I was doing well. And then I hit Contest of Champions against Sauron and a Balrog. And if I had just had any yeah. other scenario. <laughs> I, I, I get I, I get that. And the reason I didn't want to kind of get into a whole discussion about this and why I just said, let's put a pin in the conquest of the ne or, or Vanquishers, the Necromancer issue is because I think there, there may be a different, related but different issue that's going on there. But in any case, the pin has been placed. Um, yeah. So 
Uh, All right, we'll we'll talk through we'll, your talk through your your proposal. Well, here. I mean, overall, I was pretty done. I mean, I guess there's the pin that we have to address now. But just to make it clear to anyone listening, this is definitely not a vanquishers issue. This is apparently the ring rings. Apparently, they've been that ring wraith legion. I didn't even know that was a problem, but apparently, I guess the yeah, that could, that could be a, that could be a problem. So. <laughs> Why, so, why don't we try? Why don't we try and def- let, let me see if I can throw out the issue. Tell me if it's the same issue that you are thinking about, or whether you're thinking about a different issue. So, this is the this is the problem as I see it. The problem as I see it is that there are some combinations of armies, Army X versus Army Y, that when pitted against one another in a certain scenario, will produce either a guaranteed victory or almost guaranteed victory for one side in that in that pairing coupled with mm-hmm. a bad playing experience for one or both sides in that pairing. Yeah. That's is that the issue? Exactly it. That is the issue. Okay. All right, got it. Um, so, so, so maybe we're talking about the, the same issue. Thing. Yeah, I, we are. I just wanted to make sure that that we were and it sounds like we are. So now that we've now that we've defined the problem, Devin, go ahead and solve. All right. So once again, this is just spitballing answers. Yeah, I no play testing done with this, so I have no idea. Um, I just was talking about. Okay, I hear a lot of people throw out this idea of random scenarios. Maybe I'll try this in the tournament one day. Who knows? Maybe a sub Nova tournament, possibly. I don't know. Um, but there's a game actually I play on the side um, called Marvel Crisis Protocol. And for those- <laughs> I know. A game I, you play on the side? <laughs> Occasionally. How could you betray rare. us, Devin? <laughs> it's, I, I think I've played it three, four times this pandemic. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, basically. Uh, I mean, hang on I, a second. I need, I need to unfriend you on Facebook. Um, <laughs> keep talking. <laughs> basically, from the, the, the couple games that I've played, uh, the way I understand the scenario selection to work, and it's just interesting. I don't know if this would work in Lord of the Rings, but like they they both have like both players have like three scenarios that they uh, come to the table with. And I'm not saying you actually do that, but um, out of it, they get to pull the opponent pulls one out of that selection. And then you kind of I guess in now current game, you, you randomize the last one. And obviously in that game, you play some, two scenarios at once. So clearly not possible there. But um because lord of the rings you play one single scenario but i don't know if maybe like and, and this is once again off the top of my head this the, 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 we have the general's handbook where you roll a dice well what if i don't know what if there was a way in a tournament where the players could deselect one of the scenarios that could be rolled for them maybe like okay the judge now normally everyone plays the same scenario but what if you say like all right we're gonna go into scenario selection one right and yes you know there's three in that one because you roll two dice right one to pick the chart the other one actually picks within that three scenarios in the chart and then the players can elect to remove one of those and and maybe the remainder is played or they roll off between the last one maybe something like that once again never play tested it what do you think of an idea like that would that mitigate the problem where if i see a balrog and sauron and I get the table selection that's what? Contest of Champions, Lords of Battle, and to the Death, I think, is those yeah. three. Yeah. I can just remove Contest of Champions because I know I'm not going to win that one. And if my opponent removes one of the other ones, then the remainder is played. If he also removes Contest of Champions, 
then you roll a dice in the last two. And though one of those two have to be played. But the only thing the judge does is simply roll for which chart we're picking. Does that make sense? The chart of the it, three. It, yeah, it, do, it okay. does make sense. Um, and, and this is literally me just throwing it out. It's just an interesting idea. What, what, do you think right. that would make things easier or harder? I'm going to hold my fire temporarily and I'll let, I'll let Evan respond. So it's a really bad idea. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll let Evan respond first. So I remember having a while back, having a discussion with dad about this um, very specific. Actually, I think it was exactly the same idea that we were thinking about. Um, the only concern we had was that, I think the pre-grouping of the scenarios um, offers some problems. For example, uh, let's say all, all of the kill the enemy scenarios, Lords of Battle, Contest of Champions to the death, um, they reward similar types of armies. So let's say um, you go up against Goblin Town in the maneuvering scenarios, um, storm the camp, reconnoiter, divide and conquer. You're basically screwed no matter if you use that veto system or not. So what we were thinking was perhaps just re-scrambling the scenarios in order to offer more of a balanced um, experience on each one instead of them being a specific style of scenario each time. Obviously, the problem with this might be that uh, you'll end up playing similar styles of scenarios multiple times during a tournament but it would definitely provide for what I would feel like uh, would be a fairer experience. So I think a good start would be um, doing the veto st system for the different pools. And then maybe if we wanted to go further, we, we could just rearrange the pools entirely um, in order to make a more balanced su subset of scenarios. So yeah. Go Sorry, go ahead. So just to make sure to clarify for the audience, you actually have two proposed solutions. One where you keep the general's handbook version, you eliminate entire charts, which we'll define a chart as one of those selections, one of the six selections that has a set of three scenarios, or just re-scramble them, which the judge would do, or the tournament organizer would do ahead of time uh, before the tournament even starts, and then hand that new chart out to the player saying, ignore the general's handbook charts, we're using these ones. Am I, do I have that correct? Oh. So, uh, so my thoughts on this are, well, first of all, I'd say this, what you just proposed is actually very similar to kind of how we often uh, do scenario selection when we're kind of playing like friendly games over at my place uh, on a weekly basis. And you're right, that is, that is a decent way um, to make sure that you don't get you, you, you don't get the horror story of, oh, great, I got to play Contest of Champions versus um, the Balrog uh, or, you know, or, or something like that. The, I had made this almost a, a very similar suggestion to you for Nova um, a couple of years back on this to try and fix it, to, to attempt to address kind of like this issue and say the Goblin Town problem. Um, you, you made a very good argument in response, which I think probably we need to accredit to, to Jay Call, who's the one who I think made this response, um, is that 
do uh, allowing this kind of scenario veto scheme can actually work in favor of some armies and in particular like goblin town um there's there's a number of armies there's a number of armies that are really good at most scenarios and really bad at a couple of scenarios and one of them is goblin town it's it's really good at all of the scenarios that are kind of numbers based and um and and mobility based because they can bring guys on from all different angles they can have ambushers show up show up in train pieces run off the board all of that stuff but they're they're vulnerable in a in a couple of scenarios you know what the most prominent of which is lord's battle right um where if they and and what this allows that armies like that to do is basically veto the scenarios that kind of keep them in check from being automatic tournament winners. So basically, you know, Goblin Town, uh, uh, the only thing worse than, you know, having Goblin Town in a tournament can be Goblin Town in a tournament that can veto Lords of Battle. Um, and it, it, that that is a problem with, with that system. I think in general, that system works, but it's not, you know, it, it, it does in those situations kind of create a bigger problem. Um, and I, I don't know, I, maybe there's a way to fix that too using that system. Um, I don't know. What, what's your thought on that? Deb? What's what's your thought on your criticism of, of your proposal? <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know, it's funny. I actually remember now only as you say it, you say, because <laughs> oh, I forgot about that argument completely. Yeah. And then I think... Um, so over time, I've, uh, th- what's interesting is from that point, and I'm not saying this vetoes a thought at all, but or, or disputes a thought, but from that point, I've actually learned that Goblin Town apparently can actually easily win Lords of Battle. I didn't know this until one of our own resident expert Goblin Town players took it to Articon and, and shocked everybody as both Goblin Town players won Lords of Battle in round six because they actually do not have a problem with that scenario. Well, I, I think oh, it's okay. I think it's not it's particularly safe to say that they can easily, easily win. Lords not of easily, battle. yeah. Probably However, there, yeah. There, there, there is a there are some army combinations. Yeah, there and, and some army combinations where there's some army combinations yeah. where they can do it. There are some yeah. army combinations where it's it's hopeless. If like, they fight or, all hero or something like that. Yeah, that's right. If, if they come up against Vanquishers or the Necromancer and Lords of Battle, um, I, I'm pretty sure everybody can kind of give up and, <laughs> yeah. or, and have a or beer. Or if they play against the another ring bearer, because the whole winning Lords of Battle trick relies on you killing the enemy leader, um, which is much harder to do when you don't have uh, Golem with the ring uh, doing mm. that. Also, magic as well to shut down the Goblin King will usually... Uh, stop that strategy but they definitely can win lords of battle um and right. in some surprising situations and, and i'll yeah i'll admit that there are they would need to fight an army that is at least a normal army uh in order to pull that off because uh just as a quick caveat for those who don't know they win lords of battle by making sure their opponent does not double them and essentially they have to kill the opposing leader and break their army while preventing the same being done to themselves. So it's not actually easy. Yeah, Evan's correct. It's, it's not, uh, you know, automatic. But um, th- that being said, you're absolutely right, though. Most players, let's go with the, the most players. Most players with Goblin Town are not going to be able to pull that trick off, except against most armies or a lot of armies. And so 
you have removed probably one of the only reasons Goblin Town. I imagine if I were to implement that rule at Nova, this scenario selection veto system, Goblin Town players would grow a little bit. <laughs> so I think anyone looking to win a tournament, they would know, oh, hordes are the way to go because everyone knows hordes are the way to win a majority of the scenarios. So obviously that can lean itself into, okay, should there be more anti-horde scenarios? Because I think they're the only ones that, not just Goblin Town, but any horde-based army are the only ones who kind of have that. Like shooting armies like Rangers of Athelion, do they have like a, an Achilles heel scenario? Contest of Champions. Yeah, Contest of Champions. Yeah, yeah I, I remember a particular uh, tournament game, Devin, <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> uh, when uh, the Witch King and Gulivar showed up against my Rangers of Athelion. And despite me absolutely murdering all of your hopeless orcs, uh, Faramir died on turn one, and I just watched as Gulivar slowly ate my army and won because of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who was playing that Amar army? <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry for anyone. all the pain. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so, so that is the – I mean, there are some Achilles heel scenarios for the shooting arms, too. Okay. Um, and so- – uh, and it's still just one or two, though. It's it's not even that many. Yeah, it, yeah, it's one or two. Um, but they, you know, the flip side of that is that the Rangers of Fillion, there, I, I think there are probably more scenarios than Goblin Town that, where they don't have kind of an auto win type of uh, situation. I mean, that it, which, by the way, is the flip side of the coin for you know armies like Goblin Town is it's not just that they have one or two weakness scenarios that they can veto out. They have many scenarios that they can, you know, that, that they have a decent shot in some combinations of auto winning, like, like reconnoiter. Um, if you have the right goblin town list against most opponents, you will auto win. And you know, the same is true of a number of other scenarios like the divide and conquer or, um, like the command the battlefield scenario where you know you want to get guys in all four quadrants that's yeah. another one where it's it's really hard to lose if you're playing goblin yeah because it's a scribe yeah. yeah and you know so what you can do is you can kind of use your your veto strategically not only to get rid of like the one scenario that you hate but kind of make it so that to, to help engineer that you get one of the scenarios that you really want in order to win you know, this may segue slightly into, I know Evan said before the podcast that he had some uh, changes to certain scenarios proposed. Uh, without going into an in-depth change to scenarios just yet until he talks about his, there was an idea. I remember I tested out some scenarios where instead of number of models on a point. Yeah, it was the points, was value points of worth the models. of models. Oh. And what what did you think about that? I don't remember how that went. Because I know we kind of stopped doing it once we just accepted yeah, only doing GW. I, I don't think. I don't think we had anybody who really abused it to its fullest extent. Just every time when I think of that, I think of like a game of hold ground where Aragorn King Elisar is sitting on the center <laughs> and there's 59 goblins sitting around him and he wins the center because he's, <laughs> <goblins> <laughs> because he's, because he's Aragorn King Elisar. Now, now obviously, <laughs> obviously that's a very extreme situation, but I feel like if we were to implement that, we'd have to implement that in some scenarios, not all scenarios, 
because yeah. hordes would just completely disappear because all of their models would be completely useless. Well, they I certainly wasn't suggesting nothing. every scenario, but like yeah. if it was like ones like that command the battlefield, for example, Aragorn and King LSR can't be in all four quadrants. If you yeah, play the Balrog, then theoretically the rest of your force is not that big, <laughs> you know, so, or or it, it's it's just numbers based. So it's the same problem for them. So if you did it in ones like that, where not hold ground, I think I think you're right on hold ground. It's a little absurd. I'm, I'm just now imagining like Aragorn enters one quadrant and the entire opponent's army just leaves that quadrant and moves <laughs> yeah, into right. all of the other ones. Well, the, the other problem that Solution has is math, right? You know, you, you you end up with like two large armies facing each other in hold ground, and they you know they all kind of like get to the middle, and there's a scrum, and the game ends. Everybody is looks at it, sighs, and says, "All right, let's break out the calculators." <laughs> so, <laughs> Thirty and, minutes and, later, you lost yeah, your lunch that's right. break. Yeah, <laughs> it, it 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 it's kind of a pain in the neck. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I guess uh, only scenario. Yeah, I guess only ones where maybe objectives and it's like two inches. Yeah, of the like when you're playing hold ground, what you do to try and figure out like, should I keep these guys in the center? Should I move them off as you basically in your head roughly total how many guys you've got on the objective? And you're like, OK, I've got more on the objective than my opponent does. Now you need to go. All right. So my opponent's got five goblins. Oh, but he's also got this 40 point model. Don't forget he's got, got two-handed weapons, too. Yeah. This goblin doesn't have a shield? Okay, minus one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Play your wig, guys. Yeah, then you start, then you, start uh, you know, strategically buying expensive but useless stuff for your heroes <laughs> to try and get them on that. Hey, th- there's a use for two-handed weapons. Use for the Morgul Blade, I have given it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or... <laughs> Or the, the, what is it? The flail, the two-handed flail for the Witch King. Yeah, oh, my orc, trying my to orc captain them. has a shield, a bow, and a warg. <laughs> yeah, All right, right. So, so actually, so here's the uh, here's the kicker. Um, Azog's Legion uh, auto-winning hold ground. <laughs> 200 single points. Tower, single tower. tower. <laughs> Thump, I win. <laughs> How many points are each of the lieutenants? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my lieutenants dies. Does that affect yeah. anything? Here, I'm here's 250 sure points that will start in the middle of the board. Yep. <laughs> I guess, um, you know, long story short, is I guess the way you caveat that is say only the hero actually counts for those points. So Azog himself becomes some 400-point monstrosity, but that's not a fix either. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right, well, th- th- so that was a good segue because Evan had some, some scenario-specific fixes. So why don't we talk about those? Because I have another holistic fix. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't we do the scenario-specific fixes before we start shouting into the void about ways we can like fix the entire system? Yeah, so my sort of... I looked at the scenarios and I went, which scenarios do I always hate to play? And luckily there were, well, I guess unluckily, there were a couple of them in there. And I think the first one flipping through the book here is seize the prize, which is basically coin flip the scenario. Um, Cause it comes down to turn one. Unless the other call. guy's got a bat in which, and you yeah, know, in which in case which it's <laughs> auto loss, the scenario. Yeah. Uh Oh, um, Unless you're me and like fail to find it, find the prize for four or five turns in a row. That's, that's I think that's what he was suggesting. Yeah, well, I think Evan was suggesting is, the four up 
that never changes. Yeah, that's like true. it's yeah, for it's forever. Like, you can't yeah. even mite it, so you can't just like chuck your Boromir down and burn all your mite points. Because yeah. um, I have seen so much just crazy stuff happen. I remember you, Dad, with your Iron Hills chariot, just like sitting on the objective the entire game and never picking it up. Um, well, because I, remember... I couldn't, but by by God, I could stand on it and make sure nobody else could. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah i've i've seen draws happen that way where just no one picks up the prize but i think the most problematic thing for me is whichever army is able to push past um the prize is basically able to win the game most times so what you do turn one is either you have cavalry or you don't if you have cavalry if both sides have cavalry you call heroic moves and heroic marches and whoever's got whoever moves first moves their cavalry up, surrounds the objective. You know, you can't charge them on turn one because you've marched and you don't have the move range. Um, and then you basically just make a wall and then you grab the objective. Uh, and then that's that. I've also seen bats run up turn one, as we just talked about, grab the objective and then go flippity flap. As a caveat board. to bats, uh, magic is really bad against like good against bats carrying those things they can fly make them fly over your own ranks yeah I, I have a specific so. example um i believe it was round two of the nashville tournament i was at played against an angmar army managed to get on the objective uh turn two um i was able to pass the objective to the witch king and on turn three uh i lost priority compelled a guy, charged the Witch King in heroic combat, it got out of range of all of his guys, and then just flapped off the board on turn four and ended yeah, that, the game. That's the solution to seize the prize, is the, is the big flying hero. And you figure out a way to get the prize to the big flying hero, and the game is yours. Yeah. Met flying and hero with it, magic resistance. It ends <laughs> so dang quickly. So it makes it a negative play experience in the sense that you don't play at all. Nothing happens. Like, 30 minutes, and then you're done. One side grabs the prize. And but what's the it. solution? We have identified the problem. What is the solution to the problem? Yeah. Um, this is... I think I have one. But anyway, go on. Well, go ahead and offer one because this is, this is the one where like I struggled the most to get a solution. I've seen some things about like multiple prizes, but then your three bats go and grab the prizes, and then they all mm. run the prizes off. Three bats. Um, is I hard. I also I also like an idea I, of decreasing the number of points that the prize gives you. Aha! Um, well, hold on, hold on. Aha! Before we before we say that, Jay has made it very clear that he wants the main objective to always be worth more. Yeah. than the rest of us. All right, Jay, so, I've got a so, solution uh, so to I'm you gonna, then. Remove this right scenario. There. So just, well, no, just I'm, I'm going to stop right there. That is the problem. All right? Okay. So that is the problem with all of the scenarios, and that is why this problem originates, is because the uh, the gimmick of the scenario is overweighted. Hmm. And the gimmick, you, you could solve the gimmick of the problem or the gimmick of the scenario and you can auto win the scenario. And there are inevitably going to be certain army combinations where one army is going to have an advantage and sometimes often an overwhelming advantage in solving the gimmick of the scenario. 
And that, that is exactly what creates the unfun game between two pairs playing a particular scenario. Um, and, and I think, you know, I mean, you have said Jay won't do it. That's fine. But that's what's broken. Yeah, I, I think mm. what the solution in my head would be to seize the prize is if you run the prize off, one, the game doesn't end, and two, it's five points, and then you allow it. So if the other person who didn't get the prize off basically does all of the things, um, they, can, uh, they can get seven points and then win the game that way. So even if your opponent just grabs the prize and gets it off, at least there is a chance of winning the scenario. Which um, is interesting, actually, because right a lot of the scenarios have it, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, most of the scenarios are if you accomplish all the secondaries, they're in combination weighed more than the primary. No. Um, yeah, yeah that, in, that in is, some scenarios. <laughs> there are uh, a couple of scenarios where that's true. The, the yeah, vast majority of them, if you I know, solve the gimmick, you you auto win the scenario yeah. by, by getting seven mm-hmm. or more points. Got so, it. Uh, moving on to the next scenario, which is in a very very similar vein, and it's uh, my father's favorite scenario: heirlooms of ages past. Oh yeah. Um, which suffers from a similar problem, um, which is somewhat mitigated by the fact that you can technically draw if your opponent has the relic, and uh, you one have a banner and they don't two break them, and three kill their leader. And I think the problem with that, this actually segues into another thing I was going to talk about, which is banner victory points, which if you don't have a banner and your opponent has the relic, there is no possibility of you winning. And there are some armies that just cannot take a banner, and they are penalized in three of the scenarios for that exact reason. Um, so I'd say... Just remove and, the banner and just to points. make sure for anyone who's listening, Evan is not saying that if you do not have a banner, that you cannot win those scenarios. That because some people are gonna they're gonna misinterpret that. I already see it because I've said this sometimes about the banners because I've never liked the banners being in a, a victory condition when not all armies have access to it. Yeah, they, uh, especially they when incite, the UI. they incite multiple things. One of them is the one person is at an inherent disadvantage going into the game. And two, uh, everybody's favorite game where somebody runs away the entire game or just castles in a corner and wins 2-0 because they've got the banner points. Um, And I think both of those things are not a fun play experience and not overly healthy for the competitiveness of the game. And also, banners banners are good. You don't need to be, like, incentivized victory points wise in order to take them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Uh, do you want to talk through a couple more? Or do you want me to kind of throw? Because I think we've now hit, we have now, at least in my uh, mind, well, identified the number of the problem. But go, go on if you've got another. Scenario. Well, let's just go over Contest of Champions. Contest of Champions. Real quick. Okay, fair enough. Because um, I, think, I think either this or Seize the Prize or Heirlooms of Ages Past, probably this is the most egregious of the gimmick scenarios. Um, and I think it's probably the most easily not necessarily fixable but you can mitigate it in some way so in contest uh a grand total of 10 of your 12 victory points are tied entirely to one model in your list and that is your leader um 
So yeah. if you say took Denethor, uh, then you lose unless your opponent makes some very poor decisions. If you take something like Galadriel, you and don't necessarily again, lose. I feel like I should caveat it because people have won with Denethor. Usually they have magic in the list that shuts down the opposing hero or something like that. So understanding there is caveats, yes, but yes. overall. Yeah. yeah, there are I just, caveats. I like to throw but, these out there because I feel like people are going to scream at the screen being like, I'm one with Denethor. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not saying you can't. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people win with Galadriel. I've seen her punch down one model and win the game that way. Yeah. But it's so we're, ridiculously we're not about challenging the yeah. and ridiculously um, just unfun uh, that because even in the best case scenarios, say some less experienced players play and they go, all right, let's throw our heroes against each other. We're going to call some heroic strikes. Uh, oh, look, I win the 50-50 roll off. Oh, look, I killed your hero. Uh, you can no longer get any hero wounds or kills. I now win the game. Good for me. So I think the obvious solution to this is to say, one, it doesn't have to be your leader. That's the champion. So say Denethor can allocate Boromir as the champion. He can go, oh, Boromir, you're my champion. Go fight for me. Which is pretty fitting, to be honest. Yes, I mean, it's that's very fitting. Kind of how that works. Galadriel, <laughs> you know, Galadriel can say, hey, Celeborn, go fight for me. Um, and then two, if your champion dies, someone else becomes a champion. So you can at least score victory points. Because I think the most infamous game of Contest of Champions was at Articon 2018, 2017. Oh, yeah. And One it was like two games, two, like turn two yeah, lost. It was, it was a turn two game. Yeah. It yeah. was a one turn game. Jay Claire killed oh. uh, Kylie's Arathorn on turn one with Bard, and then they called it there. And um, for those who don't know, he's referring to the championship round game seven of Articon, and I believe it was year two, where Kylie um, was against J. Claire and, and lost, yeah. you said turn one, basically? That's yeah, it was turn one. Yeah. I believe it was precisely turn one. Admittedly, yes, those who are expert players will say, well, she shouldn't have rushed, who was it, Bard versus Malbeth? No, not Malbeth. Bard Arathorn. versus uh, yeah. Arathorn. Yeah. Whether she should have rushed him in or not is irrelevant. The fact that the game could end. Yeah, that, on that, turn should, one, that should never that should never yeah, happen. That, no. yeah. She yeah. should have been able to do that and still not necessarily. Yeah, exactly. Appeal. Yeah, not not necessarily been out of the game. Any <clears throat> any scenario system that allows that result of you know, I can do something on turn one or two mm. that makes it hopeless for the other guy to win um, is broken. And, 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 and that's not an isolated example either. I mean, there's, there's, there are other scenarios like that. Like, you know, you get Gulvar to the center of the board. Um, he picks up the prize and, you know, he's off to the races with the prize. That, that's another one where it was essentially over on turn. Um, yeah. And, and, and yeah, I mean, look, the fact that you're telling me that Jay has stated that he wants the scenario, you know, he wants the gimmick of the scenario to be the dominant thing in the points dispersal, you know, it tells me a lot because 
you know, as I, as I thought through this particular problem, the more I hit on the fact that that, that is precisely what generates all of these unfun results is the fact that the scenario gimmick, because it's the scenario, it, the scenario gimmick is what one side or another in a lot of these pairings will have a huge advantage in. Like Goblin Town, playing Reconnoiter, if they have properly designed their list and they have a usual a board with a usual amount of terrain, you know, will win the gimmick. And there's nothing the other side can do about it. Um, and, you know, Contest of Champions with the Balrog or Sauron, absent extraordinary or circumstances, both. or both, <laughs> will win the gimmick. Lords of, Lords of Battle, where you're playing against, you know, uh, Balrog, two cave drakes, and, uh, you know, a dragon, will probably win the gimmick. Um, I remember that situation, yeah, Dad. And, I remember and, that all too well. And, and, and you know, that, that, you know, what, what it turns strategy into, in, in what it turns tournament strategy into is a betting game when I'm building my army of which scenario, which scenarios do I think are going to come out of that randomized slot. And I know going into it that, you know, if I get this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, I've got a decent chance to win this tournament. If this scenario comes up, if this card gets flipped, I'm done. And, you know, I have to kind of build an army that's, that's designed around kind of minimizing the number of bad card flips for me. And that's not what army design should be about. That's not what the game should be about. The game should be about, you know, we're getting on the table. We're not all going to be equal. We're not all going to have a 50-50 chance uh, because they're going to be different variables one way or the other. But, you know, I, I shouldn't, I, you know, the chance should never be more than say like, you know, 33 to 66 or 60 to 40 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I mean, unless we want to discuss further, I think I have a way to do this. It sounds like it's a way that Jay's not going to like, but I want to throw it out there. Um, and by the way, we're going to try a version of this because, you know, one of the things you may have seen in the, the Shadow and the East tournament pack is that we are not using any of the uh, GW scenarios. Hmm. And one of the reasons is because we're going to try a variant of this, not this exact version, yeah. um, but a variant of this that's going to be, you know, kind of more um, designed for narrative type scenario base. But so, so this is the way I would design the scenarios. And I think you could redesign all the scenarios this way. You basically have three chunks of four points. The first chunk of four points is, you know, kind of the standard four points that all of the scenarios are going to have. Whichever scenario you're going to play, you have a chance to get these four points. And those four, in my head, those would be, you know, two points for breaking, uh, one point if, you know, if both sides, you know, one point to each if both sides broke. So that's two points. And then the other is two points if you kill the leader, one point if you wound the leader. Every scenario has those. So, you know, if you have an, you know, if you have an army where you're just going to play a tactical game and you're going to, you're able to kind of outkill the other guy, you've got those four points that you get. Then you've got the gimmick, right? You've got the scenario gimmick and the scenario gimmicks can all stay the same because I don't think there's any problem with the scenario gimmicks. I enjoy the scenarios. I enjoy, you know, kind of the different ways they operate. I even, you know, enjoy seize the prize and they, and they get to the center and grab the prize. I enjoy all of that. My only problem with it is, is that they're determinative of who's going to win in most cases. 
but you just limit it to four points, right? You get four points if you get the gimmick. And so like, if you, if you get the prize and you get it off the other side of the board, you get four points. If you get it in his field, instead of, you know, five points, you get three points. Um, if you, you know, if you get it and you have it in your field, you get two points. Okay, so that's four points. Um, and then you have the other four points. And I think what you do is for each army, you come up with basically a Chinese menu, and it could be a small Chinese menu, of scenario objectives. Uh, and each one would be worth two points. So like, and, and you could come up with a variety of ones and you would tailor them to the army. Um, and, you know, for example, you know, for a goblin town, it could be a, um, you know, outnumber your opponent in the center of the board. Um, or, uh, you know, you could have, you know, different ones where it's like, um, you know, kill, kill the enemy's second in command, or, you know, you nominate a guy who is not your leader to be your champion. And it's the number of so kills these are, that he gets. These are assigned to each army. So like the yes. army always has this yep. scenario. Well, the, the army has like this laundry list, right? And of, you know, three, like four, oaths, five, six, you know, type of these. And at the beginning of the game, you pick one based mm -hmm. on who you know your opponent is. And you say, all right, well, you know, against this particular opponent, this is, I think, a good option for me. So I'm going to pick this. And, you know, it, it's not a scenario breaking thing because at most it's going to get you two points, right? Um, and then... Also, the other guy has one that's going to get him two points, right? And you, you could work this. You, you could either have it be two points or four points. I'd have to think of kind of how this would interact and whether like, like if you fail to get your objective, like if you fail to get your objective at all, your opponent mm. gets two points. But basically... Or you, could, or you could just have the objectives apply to both sides. Or you could have the objectives apply to both sides. Exactly. That would work perfectly. And... Um, and so you have this, you know, one third of the scenario points in play are things that both sides are choosing based on the army interaction. So there's a strategy there as well. And I think if you have these three components, you still have fun with the scenario. The scenario still has its gimmick that you two are going to be fighting over. You're still going to have some points that are going to be from just two guys battling it out. And then you have this own kind of game. You have a different kind of game within a game where you're each choosing your own victory objectives based on your analysis of how you think you're going to play against your opponent. And you're trying to win that too. And if I think if they're all equally weighted, I think you're always going to have a fun game because you're never going to have that situation where you're going in and going, oh, I'm screwed. You're going to yeah. go in. There are going to be some scenarios where you're going to go in and, and you know, say you're still playing Contest of Champions where – the other guy is probably going to have a, you know, if you're playing against Sauron, he's probably going to have a decent chance to get those four points from the scenario gimmick. But there are other things you can do to try, you know, kind of stay in the game against him. So anyway, that's my, that's my theory. It's, it goes diametrically opposite of the way Jay wants to do it. But, um, you know, I oh, the line of thinking, I'm trying to be a, Devil's Advocate. First off, I like it. I like it. I think it it does limit complication in the fact that the first four points is always the same. So you're not really ever thinking about that. It's really just the other two parts, which, you know, is not much to remember, um, depending on how you implement that last one, because it, it sounded like it could be complicated, but I'd have to see it. But we have the oath system, so 
clearly it's, complicated. It's no more complicated. It's less complicated mm. than that. Because it's less complicated. Yeah. You pick one. Your opponent knows what it is, and yeah. you just you do. It sounds less complicated. So, but yeah. so overall, it seems good. It seems like complexity is gone. I think, and I and I could be remembering wrong. I think there was a day where you know, in addition, where you could win the scenarios regularly without playing the main one, which I think has why Jay developed that mindset. And I wish I had Mick here because I'm trying to remember that day. I think it was before the Hobbit, but you didn't have to play the scenarios in a large amount of the cases. And so I'm going to play devil's advocate here. If I want to ignore the scenario of contests of champions, I still know I have eight points on those other two sides to be able to just win without playing the scenario at all. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to ignore this contest of champions part and get my eight points. I'd have to experiment with that. Yeah, but but you're not doing it just by killing the other side, right? What you what you end up is with these other two victory conditions, the other four points. You're you're basically what you're doing is you're by adding in these these two components that both sides are selecting, hmm. you're you're changing it so you've got kind of this infinite variety of scenarios that you're always hmm. playing. And uh, you know, half of that is the scenario gimmick. Half of that is kind of the army-specific gimmick that both sides are uh, selecting. And the mm-hmm. combination of those two is eight points. So, you know, the actual scenario that you are playing, um, if you view it as both the gimmick and the army, you know, the army-specific gimmicks that the players have kind of selected together, um, you can't ignore that, right? You have to play... You know, you have to play, quote, the scenario. You can't just say, all right, I'm going to go in and kill his leader and break the opponent. Because if the other guy's saying, all right, I'm also going to um, play these scenario gimmicks, uh, he's going to he's going to beat you. It's just it creates a situation where there is where the scenario gimmicks are dynamic enough and there's player input into what those gimmicks are so that they, they are not necessarily going to be the dominant force on the table when you have a particular pair. Oh, I, so I forgot one thing and I think this can sort of be almost an add on to what we've been talking about, which is the whole idea of round time. Um, and I think the scenario where this appears the most is uh, storm the camp um, oh, yeah. where you have a lot of people complaining about yeah. not being able to finish the game. Um, and I think, I think it's the deployment problem. Yeah, really, the, the only way to solve that. I, people also complain about this in Reconnoiter a lot, though it's slightly less problematic there. And I think really the solution to that is just deploy the armies closer together. That's I always that's a very easy solution to that. Retrieval has another or what is it? The one where retrieval you retrieval like, is retrieval. It's like you got to break through and then actually break get away. through. Yeah. Breakthrough is the scenario. Yeah, uh, I mean that that's more that's more doable than say storm and the, I storm mean the, the, the problem with the problem with storm the camp is I think not just a deployment problem it's a, there's an incentive problem that because the way that scenario is designed it creates an accent, an incentive in a lot of army combinations for both players to sit in castle and say why don't we agree to draw this game yeah because yeah. because you know, if I sally forth, um, there's, you know, kind of an unacceptable risk that something will occur 
and you know, I'll yeah. screw something up and I'll, I'll lose horribly. So the I'm flappy just going bat flies over and grabs yeah. the camp. And, and I can, I can ignore that. You know, I can prevent that from occurring by castling. Um, and you know, you're not, you're not going to win. I'm not going to win, but at least I know I'm not going to lose. Um, and you know, again, if you, if you decrease the amount of money that you get from losing your camp, and maybe you throw a couple of other, you know, say you have like some other small objective, you know, like, you know, which is, you know, you know, have more guys on the terrain piece nearest the center of the board. I just pull that out of the air. And somebody's yeah. like, hmm, well, maybe I can, you know, defend my camp and take a stab at seizing that terrain piece. Yeah. And, you know, then it, you know, there's a reason to come out and actually play a game. I wanted to pitch this one idea before we, and this podcast in about 10 minutes, I suppose we'll give it, but it, I was actually kind of thinking as I'm listening to you with the, this other ideas of that third idea, I like it. I do. And I just, once again, I literally just thought of this. So it might be a terrible idea. I kind of wonder if these scenarios would be better served. if They had like kind of two gimmicks, but that are kind of almost opposed to each other. And I'm just throwing out hold ground, with the Lords of Battle in that center, like just in that center. So like models you kill in that center is part of the scenario as well. So like more models in the center, sure, but also killing models in the center gets you some other pool. And so it's like, you kind of have these like two sort of opposed where one's favoring the horde, the other one's favoring the smaller army clearly. I don't know if that could be inserted into every scenario. Maybe just you weight more highly the the numbers-based one for old ground because it's supposed to be the gimmick of numbers. But I wonder if like there was a like something else in the scenario. So now I'll seize the prize. Okay. So the problem is speeding up, go and get it, which of course we already mentioned, you probably just shouldn't end the scenario with that. But what if another one in conjunction that was like you also have to like and I'm literally just spitballing this, but like capture four points in a map, like as if it's capturing control, like, but in different corners of the board. So now it's like, okay, yeah, sure. You can race there, but you also have this other thing you have to do. That's totally counter to you racing up with your army, you know, full speed ahead. So, so that could work. That's <laughs> a, that is another way to kind of de-emphasize the scenario gimmick, you know, by basically de- creating two gimmicks. I guess the problem that you might have there is that you might have a situation where player A decides, well, I, my army is better suited to doing gimmick one, so I'm going to do gimmick one. And player B says, well, my army is better at gimmick two, so I'm going to do gimmick two. Player A achieves gimmick one, player B achieves gimmick two, mm. and then they sit and they stare at each other. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's a 4-4 four, four draw or whatever. Well, I guess that's where you make it where in the second example I gave you, that's definitely going to happen. The first example, it's I think it's impossible to happen because gimmick one and gimmick two are in the center of the board. Now, obviously, like not all of them will be in the center of the board, but I'd be like, if you could make it where achieving gimmick one or achieving gimmick two actively makes the other gimmick start becoming achievable. Like they, they kind of like, in order to achieve both of them, your army has to be in the same place. You could stop that problem. So my second example, bad example, because the prize is in the middle and the quadrants are on the side. Okay. So what if then the it's, it's 
and once again, I, I don't think these two are the greatest example, but like recon and seize the prize where your armies are actively trying to go on the opposite side of the board, but you just happen to be bringing this prize with you. And I, I don't know, but you can see how like they are going to have to collide with each other. It's, I think the first example is probably the best one. Like you probably actually go through a lot of time thinking about this and whatnot, but basically you get the idea as a gimmick, two gimmicks that you know, are, are kind of weighted toward two opposite kind of armies, but yet can't be avoided um, if you play any of them. Um, I don't know, probably requires some thought, but you get the idea. Otherwise, your idea is probably going to take less work to implement because it's just six. I mean, unless you're saying six different ones across any army. So like Goblin Town has their six and then Corsairs. Well, that's that. what I was thinking. It wouldn't necessarily need to be six. Yeah. I mean, you could you could do it where it's just like a menu of six. Yeah. Um, like the could, oaths, like everyone has yeah. the same oath selection. Everybody- I, I do I do like that idea of combining multiple things though, because obviously another classic example of a no fun game is you've got your Kaz Doom army against their Rivendell Knight army uh, and Lords of Battle, and you fight a grand total of zero combats throughout the entirety of the game. Yeah. That's <laughs> obviously a negative play experience. And if there were objectives on the board or something like that, that the dwarves could get to and at least have something they would be able to do. So the player felt like they were able to do something. Then I feel like that would go a long way to help patch these things up. And, yeah. and there you go. There's a great example. of like, okay, the Rivendell Knight player can shoot, but as of right now, they've given up ground. And because they've given up ground, you know, there's objectives on the board that the cause of doom just captured. Now you must engage, you know, or something like that. I, I just feel like, yeah, if you can make the gimmicks where like you, you can't ignore the other one, like in order to play yours, you have to play into the other one as well. And as Evan mentioned, I, I do think you come up with a list of scenarios where, and you can still make them thematic. I'm not saying just literally posh posh scenarios together and call it the recon lords of battle scenario like you know you still make it some thematic battle but well i don't know we're out here playing capture the flag so what is really <laughs> thematic in these scenarios Fog of the supplies <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I mean i think if you did let the players kind of get a vote in all of this that that would be a good way to make sure that the different combinations are are, are kind of relevant and um, oh so you're saying have that but let the players decide yeah i mean that that's what yeah that's that's what the system is i mean you you have you know you have the menu and you could do the menu like i said you do Mm. the menu of like you know here's six different ones that everybody has or you could do army specific ones and i don't think that would be you know, too unreasonable to do. Mm. It's just, it's another paragraph at the beginning of the, the army list right after the army specific bonus. Um, and, you know, give them three. And then you choose one of those three and the other guy chooses one uh, of those three. And you're choosing that based on your, you know, at that point who you're fighting. But you have to make sure those, that selection three doesn't create the scenario you just mentioned. Because if I'm playing against you and I have the opportunity to just take my four points over here. Yeah, but, but remember, there's, all, there's only two points in each one, right? Yeah. So that that's that's the thing is, you know, you can kind of, you know, you, you can it, it's enough to kind of edge you over the scenario where it's like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm just going to have a fight. Plus, I get this additional thing and, you know, he can have the scenario gimmick. It's enough to edge you over, but it's not enough where it's like my entire strategy is going to be around getting these two points. And that's all I can do. I got to I got to come up with some other way to interact with the game. the game. Yeah, exactly. 
Well, then, I mean, so I guess we can all we all agree here and correct me if I'm wrong, that it's not these armies that are the problem. It's just the scenarios. So that's why I put the pin in the vanquishers, the necromancer. At the yeah. Of the episode. Thank you for taking it full circle. Yeah. Is, I, I, I think this yeah. game should be created so that these armies can't be the problem because the game is obviously created to incentivize you to play these armies, right? They have a Vanquishers of the Necromancer Legendary Legion. They want you to play it. So make the scenarios so that if you play against that Legion, and if you play that Legion, you will have a fun, balanced game. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's it's never going to be 100% balanced, but I think if, if, if we succeed in achieving the first of those two objectives, you have a fun game, we've won. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be completely balanced, but it should be balanced enough so that it's always going to be fun. I mean, that should be the objective of the scenario system is we will create a fun game between any two armies. Hmm. Um, and, and and the way this you know, that that was kind of the revelation that I had when I thought through this particular problem is, you know, we kind of went into I, I like you came into this thinking that this was a, this was an army specific problem. And then when I kind of thought it through some more and kind of ran through all the different combinations in my head, I realized it's not, it's a scenario problem. And it's a scenario problem that's generated by that rule that apparently Jay Claire is insisting on that, that if you do, if you do the gimmick, you win the scenario. Um, and, 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 and I agree with him to the extent that you, know, you, you don't want a situation where you can completely ignore the gimmick, but I think he has shifted this so far to one side that you've, you've created a situation where an awful lot of situations, one side or another, has a tremendous advantage in achieving the gimmick. And once you've achieved the, the gimmick, you've won the game. And that's what produces kind of the unfun result of walking up, looking at the table, hearing the scenario read out, looking at your opponent going, well, oh, I'm, I'm screwed. That's not a fun. It's not a fun experience for me. It's not a fun experience for the guy that's going to play against me. Um, and if we could fix that, that would be great. All right. Well, obviously, there's a lot of other ideas that can be thrown out here, but we'd love to hear all of your thoughts in the comment section below on YouTube. You can all comment below. What do you think? Um, if you could make changes to the overall scenario and the how it would work, would you just randomize them up, allow vetoes, or would you actually change the way these scenarios are structured? So let us know, comment below, and uh, we'll talk to you all very soon. Bye, everybody.